If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Colossians. It's a New Testament book. It's one of the epistles, of course, written by the Apostle Paul. And it's considered one of his prison epistles. He's writing this while he's incarcerated in Rome. And uh, that even makes it more interesting that he still is keenly interested in the churches that he had been blessed to establish many of them. Some of them maybe had not seen his face as such, but nevertheless, he always had the churches on his mind. Colossi, if you were interested in geographical locations, I suppose it'd be somewhere like what we would call Western Turkey today. Uh, that's where it was located. It was maybe 100 miles or less from where the church of Ephesus would be. But nevertheless, this book, written by the apostle, because I know it is, because he tells us in the very first verse, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he begins, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. The book of Colossians, it's been said by some that it was the anatomy of the Christian church. Everything that would be in the church is found in the book of Colossians. And so it is also found in the book of Colossians uh, dealing with the first heresy. In case uh, you're interested in that, it's called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism is a big fat word that really is hard to, to define but I think I can bring it down to one word is that Gnosticism has to do with knowledge other than the Lord Jesus Christ. That would be my definition of it. Now you can find all kinds of definitions of this word that we hear thrown around and sometimes I've used it, but it just mainly is that what is taking place in this book, in this particular church, is that they're being invaded with a heresy. And a heresy is nothing but a, another big word. Uh, it is a doctrine or a practice by individuals that is outside the scripture or outside the norm of Christian doctrine and, and practice. And so that would be considered a heresy if a man came into your church and he began to advocate that there is no resurrection, that there, is, uh, there was no atonement, uh, then all these would be quickly pounced on by any member in this church here that that is a heresy because that's we don't believe that because the Bible does not teach it. So the Apostle Paul was concerned with the church at Colossae because they had been invaded with the thought by some that really Jesus Christ was not the final answer uh, to the church of God. And back where I come from a few years ago, back from Winston-Salem, which I do not live there now. I live in North Stanley County. But back there, they have a group of people that they had a pastor that began to advocate that there were other ways to God other than the Lord Jesus Christ. There's other avenues. In other words, he's trying to include the, I guess, the Buddhist, the Muslim, uh, whomever uh, even the Jewish community who do not believe that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah, and that anybody in any set of religious groups could reach God 
apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Gnosticism is not quite like that. However, they are inserting something else in, or he was, and it created a real, uh, what I would call a divide in that particular church. It's a large group of people. And some people, of course, were spiritually enough, you know, informed that they knew that wasn't right. And so it created a real problem, and that would be a heresy that entered that church that has to uh, be dealt with uh, uh, to be put down. Otherwise, then, of course, you become just a group of people that your opinion about something or your opinion is just as good as my opinion. But the final authority is always the Word of God. I mean, we can't improve on that. And when you find a man or a group of men who are trying to abridge or to go around the revealed truth, then you're going to find someone who is teaching or practicing a heresy. And the church cannot abide with that if he will not cease nor desist with that type of thought. And so it was here with Colossae, the church there was being invaded by this doctrine of Gnosticism that really Jesus Christ was not the total package or the total answer to the Christian or the child of God's needs or to the church here at Colossae. And Paul was writing them this letter, and like I say, this was the first heresy that had kind of entered into the church, and Paul was very much concerned with it. And he identifies who he is, and he calls them to the saints and to the faithful brethren in Christ Jesus, who are at Colossae. Uh, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 3, and this is, and we'll move away from this here, but I think it's important that we just kind of touch this a little bit. He said, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Now, if I was in prison and they'd, they'd kind of work me over, I don't know what I would have been thinking. I'm not sure that I would have been praying uh, for the churches. I would hope that I would be. And I think that in our day, it, I think it would be beneficial to the churches that if each one of us just made it a point to begin to pray that God would bless uh, each individual and we'd single them out. Uh, believe it or not, uh, everybody that comes to the meeting is not a scholar uh, and they need to have divine intervention or motivation to become better Christians, and that's what Paul was interested in because he knew that the church had a serious enemy, and he's called Satan or the devil. Most people today uh, won't even acknowledge that, but he, he is real, and he is such that he's clever, and he's smarter than me and you. And the only way that we can even come close to continuing on in the orthodox, in the practice that was given to us not only by our forefathers, but the church, how it was established in the beginning upon the foundation of Jesus Christ and upon him and him alone. And see, the word Gnosticism means knowledge. There's, there's more to If I got up here today and said, really, Jesus is, is, a, is a way, but he's not the only way, then you'd see it, you'd know immediately that uh, I had taken leave of my senses. You right then and there, somebody should say, "Now wait a minute, brother Hoover, let's let's stand up and sing a song, and you get over here and let's talk about this a little bit." Uh, we don't want to hear that. 
that would be the appropriate way to deal with that. And so Paul was always interested in the churches because they were continually and constantly under assault to change what they do or who they worship. And so it was with the Lord Jesus Christ, just like this folks there back home in that very prominent denominational church. In order to satisfy people and the pews, I assumed that he thought it would be appropriate for him to inform them that there are other ways to God besides the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, if there is, I hadn't found it, and the Bible does not teach it. And so that is definitely a heresy, and that's what he's saying. And he's saying that he's praying for them always. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and in your love ye have for all the saints. And so it is. It would not just be praying for the local body here, but praying that God would bless other men and women like yourself, that they might grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that they would grow in such a fashion that it would bring honor to God and that it would benefit the community in which that church is uh, seated or where it's at. And so, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before the word of the truth of the gospel. And I don't want to read every word, but I just want to get down here one more time. He says, As ye have learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who has declared unto us your love in the Spirit. And here he is, back to that prayer again, for this cause. We also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And this is what I'm saying not only to you this morning, but you and I should be on a daily basis praying for everyone that has made a confession of faith. Many people here are being called out today. They have personal problems. They have health problems. But I think in addition to praying for them physically, that we would pray for them, that they would grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they might grow in wisdom, and that that would increase their zeal, and that it would be obvious to other men and women. In our prayers, it should be defined what we want. And Paul being in prison, he is saying to them, for this cause we also since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the what? The knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. See, because that Gnosticism had come in and they said, we've got a knowledge that you folks here don't have. And we need to introduce you to something of a higher order other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he is praying for them every day that this heresy would not slip in among them and destroy their peace and their fellowship and most of all would dishonor God. And that's what it would do. But see, when you and I focus it toward, and we're usually praying for somebody that got cancer, which if I've got cancer, I want you to pray for me. Pray that God would bless me in such a way that it'd be the best days of my life in fellowship with him. I'll tell you, sickness will do that now. You'll have a different outlook and a different point of view. But we need to be conscious of the needs of God's people other than maybe from a physical point of view, make it more spiritual. 
but that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing, here again, here's that word, increasing in the knowledge of God. Because, you see, our enemy, our arch enemy, is going about seeking whom he may devour. What's he wanting to devour in your life? He's wanting to devour your, your conviction, your peace that you enjoy, knowing that Jesus has paid your sin debts and that he took your sins, which you and I could not take, but he being the perfect man, God-man, he took our sins and put them away, never to be remembered against us no more. There are people today in churches all over this county, all over this nation, and they're sitting in places like you are. And the man, whether he may be sincere or not, I do not know. But he is telling them that there is something that they have to add to the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are here today, and I hope that you're not here believing that you've got to add something in order to have the hope of eternal life. But now in Gnosticism, they're trying to tell you there's, there's something else. Uh, he was a failure. He really probably was just caught up between the political clamor between Rome and the Jewish Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he was just a victim. He was not a victim from the standpoint of politics. I can promise you that. He said, for this cause was I born. That's why he was born into this world. He was exactly the answer that God the Father had for the redemption of the elect family of God. You and I were helpless and still are to this day as far as offering anything to God on our behalf that he would even accept. But Jesus was born for that reason. And there are people today who do not believe that. I'll tell you, if you want something to stimulate your mind, it's not CBS or Fox News. You get God's word and begin to read that. You begin to study that and you'll find out what stimulates your mind because the Bible is very clear that great is the mystery of godliness. Paul tells that young preacher that. I think that's some of the most beautiful verses in the Bible when he is talking to him and speaking to him about uh, the great mystery of godliness. Now here's what I'm saying to you about Jesus Christ. Paul writes that young preacher in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, and he said, If I tarry, uh, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Now I want you to listen to this. The pillar and the ground of the truth, that which sustains and undergirds and lifts up, holds up and maintains the cause of Christ in this community. It'll be the very thing that'll feed your soul. You and I, whether we understand it completely or not, are complex dual creatures now. You hear me? There was a time when you and I were, like what Paul says in the Ephesian letter, when we were hateful and hating one another. Now, that's a fact. You say, I don't know about that. Yeah, you are. In that old carnal, natural state you were in, uh, my beloved, there ain't nothing that a human being will not do to another human being. You look around. You got this lovey, touchy, feely crowd in this world today, but you look at the real facts of the matter, and I'll tell you, a human being will treat another human being in the worst way that you can conceive and think in your mind. And the only thing that brings us into subjection, and that's the power of God. 
He brings you out of that state of death and darkness and puts another nature in you, and all of a sudden, you're not the same old boy or the same old girl anymore. And whether you like it or not, every day you and I wake up, the battle lines are drawn, and the battle rages on. It is with me. Every day I get up, the battle lines are drawn. And I got this old human nature that I was born with. It was a pretty looking little boy. I'll tell you, he's a handsome little fella. But he was born with a serious flaw. He was born with humanity. <laughs> and he had that old human nature. And the only thing that ever done me any good, somewhere in my life, God spoke to me and born me again in the spirit. And the things I once loved, I now hate. That's what Paul said. And that's where you're at today. Unfortunately, you and I are going with this until we have run our race. But we don't need to be mixed up about what Jesus did in redemption. There's a lot of people today who believe that Jesus really failed. That he offered himself, but there's something else you've got to do. Now that to me is Gnosticism. I don't care how you cut it, slice it, or dice it. That there is some other knowledge or some other behavior that you have to do in order to have eternal life. And if you don't get anything out of what I'm going to tell you today, I want you to get this. Jesus was the perfect offering, and only the divine mind could have brought redemption. No human mind could have conceived, and that God was holy, and he is so holy that there had to be a penalty paid for what we had done in our human nature. Adam sold us out. <laughs> he did because Romans 5, 12 tells us, Wherefore, by one man sin entered into the world. And what followed that death? And it stalks every last one of us. Somebody asked me how I was doing. I said, well, I feel like I'm always out and trying to stay in front of a pack of hounds gnawing at me every step of the way. But somewhere out there, I'll hit a rock or I'll hit something and I'm going to stumble. And then them hounds will have their day. <laughs> but until that happens, we're here today to worship and to honor God. To make another statement, even in this community, that we believe in the death and burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you what I was going to tell you a while ago. You thought I forgot. I didn't. I want you to hear this and hear it good. When your Savior bowed his head and closed his eyes, and he said, into thy hands I commend my spirit. When he died right then and there, I want you to know right then and there, your sins were paid for in full. I've heard people pray and says, save us from our sins. I know what I think he means, but I can tell you right now, legally and positionally, your sins have been paid in full. And when he bowed his head, there were no more to be paid. That's now and forever. Now, I know that Satan's going to come along with you every now and then, and that's what he did with the Apostle Paul. So now you know when you stood by and held the cloak of those people that stoned righteous Stephen to death. You know when you were there and consented unto his death. And he'd come along and remind him of that every now and then. And Paul would cry out, O wretched man that I am, who shall save me from this body of death. They just convicted him again. God used that 
to move and to motivate that man continually and constantly. Who called himself and said, I'm not worthy to be an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And yet, you'll never see him turn. He gave his back to the whip. He was put in jail. He was naked. He was hungry. He was all the things that you and I strive for every day. That he might preach Christ and him crucified. He goes to a city like Corinth. A city that's filled, uh, maybe like here in Myrtle Beach, I don't know, Winston-Salem, Charlotte. Had two seaports on it. Had an isthmus that jutted out there, and they had one on this side. They finally cut a canal through that thing. I think it's called the Suez Canal now. But they came into Corinth off of them boats, and you can imagine the crowd that came in on them boats. They, they most sailors, they came every nationality you can think of. Every sin, all the debauchery you could think of. And Paul was a little bit afraid to go down to Corinth. He was afraid to go to Corinth. And I can identify with that because that city was wide open. It'd be like New Orleans. Excuse me, anybody from New Orleans. <laughs> Maybe on a Saturday night or downtown, you know, New York and wrong places. And it just, it's just bad. But here's how God encouraged this man. God appeared to him and told him not to fear. Why? Because God told him, the Lord spake to Paul by night. This is Acts chapter 18, verse 10. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. And why is that true? He said, for I have much people in this city not known the Apostle Paul. You know, God can turn this nation around on a dime. He can do that in one night. Now, I know that can be done. And that is even more important for you and I to come and to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Pray for our nation. Pray for them that rule over us. Pray for each other. Because God still, I believe, has much people yet that has not yet had the truth preached to them. Now, I'm not talking about you hanging around waiting to make somebody a child of God. You ain't going to do that. But I'll tell you one thing. It is a place where God does bless his minister to preach the truth of the gospel. And that's what we ought to be praying for, that God would bless to the degree that he would place me in front of somebody Looking for the truth. And you know, people today out here in society, they got a little code words they use all the time to let you know that they are believers. But we need to get off of that code stuff and just get down to brass facts and, and begin to, uh, if you run across one, ask God to put me in, in, the, in the path of somebody that might be seeking the truth, that I might be able to tell them there's a place down here in Calabash, North Carolina, that God has so blessed that he still gives our preacher the truth of the gospel. You ought to come and hear him. You remember when Philip was called out into the desert? The old eunuch had been down to Jerusalem to worship, and he coming on his way back, and God caught that man up and went and uh, sent him out there to meet that man. And he's reading. Guess what he's reading? He's reading from the chapter of Isaiah, chapter 53. And he didn't know what he was talking about. He said, is this man talking about himself or somebody else? And Philip had just run up to that thing. That's a running preacher right there now. I'll tell you, that's, that's all what I've seen run. 
But he ran up to him and he said, how can I understand except some man guide me? And old Philip got up into that, in that chariot and he began with Isaiah chapter 53. He was led as a lamb, dumb before his shears. He opened not his mouth. You remember all that. He got down there and began to teach him that Jesus Christ was the redemption for God's elect family. And it also taught him that baptism was not essential to eternal life, but it was a sign and seal of your belief that Jesus died and that Jesus rose again, and that it is a sign and a public seal that I too have died to sin and rise to walk in newness of life. That's what he preached to him. And that's what the gospel is, that Jesus died. There's nothing new coming to y'all. You got the whole fullness of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was verily God and he was verily man. Only God could have conceived to save a people like me and you. Now, I know you think you're hot sometimes. You think you, I wouldn't do that. Oh, listen, my beloved, we're all in the same boat. And had it not been for the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we would have had no hope of eternal life. And that's what Paul was telling that church at Colossae. And so my friends today, when you look at that book, and he is trying to, uh, um, to, to shore up and keep them from moving away from the knowledge of our risen reigning Savior. He says again in verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meek to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. You had an inheritance right here, my beloved. And you're exercising and you're using it. And then he says, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. There's a lot of people out here in this world today, I'm sad to say. Now they think they're in the light, but they're living in darkness, ignorance, and away from the commonwealth. Some are wicked, some are the non-elect. I think some of God's children may be so caught up in the mess of this world. A lot of our young children get on drugs. I'm telling you, all they're living for then is another fix. That becomes the thing that drives them to what you see going on today. And so it is. You're here today. You're here in your right mind. You sometimes wonder what it is. I have this old carnal nature that is constantly and continually battling and warring against this new nature. Well, that's what God gave you. He gave you that new nature. And, and those two are enmities against each other. They're constantly moving against each other. Who hath delivered from the power of darkness and translated, hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. You're sitting in a kingdom. One of the first things Jesus said after his baptism, repent ye what? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You're sitting this morning in the kingdom of God. And there's a king who rules over this kingdom. And his name is Jesus. And when he had done what he came to do, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. I tell you, he's still sitting there too, brother. And he makes intercession for every little child of God. He rules over this kingdom. And he knows who you are. You don't have to inform him I'm John Doe. You don't have to tell him I'm E.W. Hoover. He knows me and he knows me before the world was ever formed. And he brought me out of darkness and brought me into a marvelous light. And he's given me the privilege to live among God's people. That's it. 
We come here sometime and we take this so much for granted. But you look around, my beloved, and every last person in this building here today, I don't care what your condition is in the outside secular world. When you and I come here, we're poor and needy. We need something besides this world that we live in, this clamor. We need something that gives us peace and comfort. And none other can do that. You know, Jesus, he told them in Matthew, you know, he told them there, where two or three have gathered together in my name, there I might have missed them. You know that a lot of people strive to have large, big churches. I don't think God ever meant for our churches to be big. Because he did give us the lowest common denominator that we could gather together and he'd be in our midst. I'll guarantee you one thing, you won't get it out here at the uh, exchange club or whomever club that you might be a member of. He ain't promised to meet out there. Now, I've heard people say, oh, I can worship him on the golf course. You can get knocked down by a lightning bolt, too. <laughs> you raise that club up in the middle of a storm, he can clean your plow because you thought you could circumvent the church. This is the one place that Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And this is where he meets with his little humble poor, who are poor in spirit, and come here to be refreshed, to be built up in a most holy faith, to be able to look away heavenward and homeward, to go out tomorrow and to face the world that you and I live in, to be a living witness of the grace of God. That's what he's called you to do. He's called you out of the darkness of this world, hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Imagine that. And then he says, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. You know what that is right there? You know why he's the image of the invisible God? Who is the image of the invisible God? So that sounds kind of odd, isn't it? You know why he is the image of the invisible God? Because he was God. <laughs> that's, that's just that simple. And he is the image who when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's your Savior. And so he is the firstborn. He's called the firstborn. That don't mean that he was born first in Bethlehem, that that was it. That means, that don't mean that at all. You go to John chapter 1, verses 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and verse 14 said, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. You know what that means? That flesh, he said it was made flesh. He was born and dwelt among us. That's what it was. He was who he said he was. He was God manifesting the flesh. What I've tried to tell you today is something that will feed your soul. And when you come to press a dying pillow, I'll tell you one thing you're not going to do. You're not going to call your children in, your grandchildren your nearest and dearest in this world, and try to tell them, say, look, I've got a real hot deal here on some stock I'd like to tell you about. I've got, I got some land over here. I sure would love to see how it's going to be improved. You ain't going to tell them that. I'll tell you, hope, I hope I'm lucid enough that I can say to my children, I've loved them. I love you now. They have been good citizens I've baptized all three of you. I've baptized most of my grandchildren. And I love them dearly. 
That's all I care about. Lands, money, stock. I ain't going to be talking to them about that. I, was, I think about my sons right now. Right now, my two sons. I'm very thankful for them. They're speaking right now. I don't know what time it is. They're speaking right now in the name, which is above every name. Yeah, it won't be long. We, we, we're not made to live in this world forever. That whenever death comes, that soul takes its flight to be with God. That's going to be an interesting thing, isn't it? I'm going to see somebody that's lived in my, my innermost being. I'm going to see him face to face for the first time in my life. And I'll tell you one thing, I will not be disappointed. And if you're living when he comes, you're going to be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Now, when you, That's hard for you to get your mind around, you know that? You can't get your mind around that. You just have to believe it. And there's something in you that drives you to believe that. You know, sometime tonight, I don't know if you can do it down here at the coast or not. I tell you what, you do go outside and look at all the stars up in the sky. You ever notice that they're all in their right place? They ain't like a bunch of ping pong balls bouncing around, knocking each other. They're right there where they are. You know why they're right there? Because he upholds all things by the word of his power. He opposed all things by the word of his power. That's why. That's why they don't fall in on your head. I saw NASA the other day. NASA the other day shot some kind of vessel up in the air to hit an asteroid, I think it was. And you know what they said? They did that so that they could save the world. Isn't that amazing, the arrogance of men? Now, I know what they wanted. Here's one coming at you, and they're going to shoot a, an atomic bomb or, you know, a mega bomb up there and blast that thing into 5,000 pieces, and they're going to save the world. I can tell you one thing. The next time this world is in trouble, it'll be because God sets it on fire. You're going to rise, defy gravity, and you're going to be standing before him, and the whole universe is going to be there. You say, how can that be? Well, he's the creator God. He brought it into existence. He can take it out when he wants to, can't he? But I'm today living in hope of eternal life. I wish I could get on some more into this, but you just take it. That there is no other, there's none coming. There's not a lifeboat, there's not a life raft for you. There's no school coming for you. There's no doctor coming to help you. Because you see, in us dwells something that we cannot stop. Wherefore, is by one man sent into the world. And when that has had and took its way... It takes us out of here. Legally and positionally, that sin debt was paid. But we're still under what? The sentence of death. And the only thing that will ever get you out of that is none other than who I'm trying to tell you about today, the Lord Jesus Christ. So may God bless you and keep his my prayer.